This is Aliens and Artists. I'm Stuart Davis with a beginning of the year solo show for you. Plusers and patrons, you love novas, you hierophantic humans of high humanity. Today, ultimately, I want to talk about the Bodhisattva's vow and how that relates to humans, non-humans, and all life. 2021 was a checkered decade, my friends. 2022 will surely be free of tribulation. I checked my magic eight ball. Wait, that's a billiards eight ball. My bad. There's been a pause in the show and episodes as I took the opportunity over the holidays to have the opposable thumb removed from my penis. I already miss it, but as an organ donor, I know it's not about me. It's about helping those maimed marmosets in Mexico. So, in December, I attended a conference on UFOs. This was a small, private event. I can discuss some of what went down. I can't discuss a lot of what went down, not because it's a conspiracy, not because I'm a secret agent, but because the privacy of those involved was ensured in order to make it possible for them to even attend. So, I'm not gonna name names, Although at some point, much of it will become public because there was also a film crew there from a major network doing in-depth coverage on aspects of the conference. So suffice to say, you would know the names and we'll see some of it in the series when it airs. Cryptic for now, I know. This gathering melted my head a little bit. I was very grateful to be invited and the week did not disappoint. It also caused me to sink into <laughs> A bit of a depression to a degree, although there were immensely positive aspects of what emerged from the gathering. If you will indulge me, I will use this episode as a way to metabolize this summit of sorts, its implications, and how I feel it factors in human-non-human relationships moving forward in 2022. Ultimately, it all ties into the Bodhisattva's vow, and that's the good news. It's very very good news. We will end with a cosmic group hug here, and in order to do that, let's begin with the bad news. Let's just <laughs> get it out of the way. I think the bad news is what I will call, there's no one in charge. My sense as an experiencer, and as someone who's been fortunate enough to have long in-depth conversations with hundreds of others who are in the know in various ways, my sense after decades is that there's no one in charge. What I mean by this is that where things matter the most regarding non-human presence on Earth, that's where we have made the least progress. That's where we are at the greatest disadvantage. And here I'm referring to the meaning of what all this contact and abduction is about. The why. The inner life values, purpose, objectives, desires, and culture of non-human entities. That's where humans have made the least progress and show the greatest disinterest. Instead, where we've placed our greatest focus socially, governmentally, militarily, is the weaponization and othering of humans and non-humans. The spin. To the extent there has been an organized, coherent response. It has been from postures of secrecy, compartmentalization, fetishization of technology, and contracted opposition. Very little, if any, organized response has been from interiority, 
depth, love, curiosity, and a multidimensional apprehension of just how big our universe is on the inside. So when I say there's no one in charge, I mean where things count the most, we are the least equipped. Where they matter the least, we place tremendous effort. And unfortunately, what's at stake is human sovereignty, which is something we've covered on this show a lot. There's no one in charge doesn't just mean that within and among alphabet agencies there is an absurd automated process of secrecy, obfuscation, and hyper-compartmentalization, the need-to-know syndrome of clearances. Now it means beyond that, budget battles and interagency bureaucracy fundamentally prevent meaningful progress. The perils and disincentives to making lasting, meaningful progress are legion. The rewards are scant. To be perfectly clear, my own take at this point is that the vast majority of those working in alphabet agencies or dark programs are good people doing their level best to address an impossible set of puzzles. Bureaucratic organizations were never designed to contend with something as fucked up and intractable as non-human entities which have been intimately engaged with millions of humans for generations. Non-human entities with desires and intentions, non-human entities that repeatedly display a facility with interiority that touches every state and stage of consciousness human beings ever experience. They seem to have their way with reality, and our ontologies are not up to the task at hand. Their very nature seems to violate the laws of physics, transgress time, and showcase nifty tricks that include telepathy and every variety of psi we know of. They involve our dead ancestors, parade doppelgangers before our eyes. This stuff would give David Lynch a piss quiver. There's no one in charge means that for any persons charged with working on the non-human presence, they have no good response to what has been occurring for a long, long time. And when you don't have a good move, it's better to not make a move. Now let's add in extenuating factors like insect collapse, ocean acidification, climate change, fertility collapse, the sustained consistent messaging from non-human beings is that we are not just headed for collapse, but that horse left the barn long ago. There's no one in charge means that while we should have been forming a worldwide public response to the non-human presence, we instead are still embroiled in adolescent spats about the reality status of UFOs. Who gives a fuck about UFOs? There are highly advanced non-human beings here, deeply enmeshed in every facet of our deeper concerns. Jesus rides up on Palm Sunday and all we can talk about is the donkey. Not that I think aliens are Jesus, they both evince a fondness for robes, but the similarities end there. En masse, we are not even remotely having the right conversation, and we do not have time to walk generations of people through slow motion learning curves. These beings are not metaphors. 
they are not archetypes, although their lexicon certainly includes metaphor and archetype. As strange and transrational as they are, they are also sentient beings. They exist when we are not thinking about them, and ignorant individuals from Eric Weinstein to Avi Loeb are definitely <laughs> not thinking about them. The tragic farce of us debating the reality of UFOs for decades, while worldwide programs of abduction, hybridization, genetic modification, and cultural manipulation has transpired, is that human sovereignty is in the balance. And fuck, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it should be. Maybe we're getting the future we deserve. The view of many of these entities is pretty hard to argue with, which is humans have become a rabid, violent, biocidic force. We have annihilated a paradise world. And we have. But we are also divine beings with autonomous souls. And our native endowment is the source and origin of reality itself. So there's a push and pull here. I've said before, if you put a Ramana Maharshi up against a mantis in an indigo robe, I might bet on Maharshi. If you put Sam Harris up against a mantid being, welcome to Fucktown, because we are fuckity fucking fucked. No one is in charge, as far as I can tell. No one has this sorted or has something akin to a comprehensive response that meets the phenomenon on the inside where it lives. Are you thinking about the new legislation? It's a vaudeville act. We do not need more data on UFOs. We need a spiritual, ethical, moral, social, cultural response to the meaning and purpose of non-human entities being here. And we do not have it. We have boys in subterranean facilities masturbating with exotic materials. We need to claim and assert our autonomy, our agency. But we have budget wars and shallow actors vying for pole position in the commodification of artifacts. It is devastatingly immature. No one in charge means we have a developmental crisis. The biggest threat to our human sovereignty is our own inhumanity. It is our colossal failure to act as stewards of a paradise world. But yeah, Fox News is saying UFOs might be real. Hoorah. Now, I promise you there is good news. I have positive things to say. <laughs> I just wanted to start with the fact that we're fucked. <laughs> On an order which is difficult to imagine. And I'm an artist who makes shit up for a living. It's important I reiterate the caveat that I'm just telling you how it looks based on what I know so far and the kind of work I've done, the experiences I've had, and some important private exchanges I've been able to have. So no one is in charge, not the CIA, not the DOD, not China, not Russia, not Area fucking 51. Are the major respective actors doing their level best? Generally, yes, I think so. But they are wildly ill-equipped and outgamed. If we think absconding with reverse-engineered and weaponized alien tech is a solution to this problem, 
I shudder to imagine the world our descendants will inherit. Intersubjectivity, meaning, love, that's what sovereignty is anchored on, and we're generally forfeiting all of it. Okay, so now, the good news. The really good news. If you are hearing this, you do have tools to claim and protect your sovereignty. I've gone through some of them in previous episodes, I'm not going to repeat it here. I've used them in my life with success, I've worked with many individuals using them with good results, and they're not complicated. They just require some basic shifts in lifestyle and spiritual practice. Tools for human sovereignty applied consistently as a lifestyle produce generally good results, but we have to enact them. They won't magically solve every crisis, but they make things better fairly quickly. They involve us calling upon our deep human traditions. They're compatible with virtually any spiritual or religious lineage. They place creativity and depth and connectedness at the center of our response to the non-human presence. This shit is not rocket science, but it's about more than just meditating or praying a bit each day. We have, over centuries, dispossessed ourselves of greater and greater ranges of reality, including the non-human beings who are our neighbors here on Earth. I'm not talking aliens here. See Sean Asbjorn Hargan's Taxonomy of Beings for a survey of how richly populated reality is. So when it comes to non-human entities such as greys or mantids, what actually produces a change in the dynamic which more optimally suits the human being. In my life and work, it's been about changing from being an experiencer to becoming an experiencer practitioner. Again, I'm not telling you there's a magic system for stopping abductions. I'm saying that when an experiencer changes lifestyle, marshals their ancestors, guides, and metaphysical allies, and builds a new cosmology around the sovereignty and liberation of all sentient beings, shit changes. That tends to be noticed. Become the squeaky cosmic wheel. It should be done without projecting our lower or higher selves onto these non-human beings. And here we land at the Bodhisattva's vow to devote our lives and spiritual practice to the liberation of all beings. Not just us, not only all humans, the dogs we love, the cats we love, all life on earth, but all life, period. Again, the Bodhisattva's vow is not a metaphor. It's a cosmological imperative. In claiming and strengthening our own sovereignty, we simultaneously become more available and capable of helping all beings, including greys, mantids, and reptilians, fey, elementals, the dead, sugar gliders. Personhood is the rule, ours and theirs. And here we just find a ton of good news. For instance, thankfully, our neighbors, the spiritual throng animating our seen and unseen world, they have not abandoned us. This very year, I was healed and protected by the goddesses Psyche, Sekhmet, and the Morrigan. 
Also my ancestors, guides, and many human beings and animals. My dog has been a huge presence. There are infinite ways to go about this, but it has to be a we. We need each other, and we are needed by others. Like it or not, these non-human entities are here, and it's critical that we grow up in time to obtain a workable mutuality with them. They are not reducible to a simple binary of good or evil, any more than we are in general. But we are indeed on borrowed time, that's my best read, and way behind on the curve. We have to grow up and out of this reductive materialism that has sabotaged generations of human-non-human relationships. We're still in a culture where Eric Weinstein gets to say he doesn't want to hear from crazy people who think they've been abducted. Half a century, millions of experiencers, a deluge of data, and he can't be bothered to shut up and listen and learn. That arrogant ignorance still typifies consensus reality. And if it weren't for the fact that our fate lies in the balance, Maybe I could laugh, but I want to puke. 30 years after John Mack survived Harvard's putrid assaults, Avi Loeb can't acquaint himself with the facts on the abduction phenomenon. So we have to move on without them because this shit is not theoretical. It is life and death. And we've been sleepwalking while without a hiccup, non-humans procure a future we haven't paused to imagine, much less participate in. As experiencers, the best resource we have is each other, and we are finding each other, the contours of a new movement of support, love, and practice is actually taking shape, and I can't think of more important work to do. No one is in charge, but each of us can say, I'm in charge of my own soul, and As we find each other and love each other, we can say we are in charge of us. Our small little microculture of positive anomalous support. And maybe these microcultures around the world, oftentimes founded on values such as the Bodhisattva's vow, maybe we can bond to each other and create a mature, deep culture of experiencers predicated on agency and communion. And I guess at the end of the day, what are the alternatives to that? The Return Journey by Robert Moss. You found the courage to turn on the tiger who pursued you, to fight with him hand to claw, to be swallowed and spat out, and to win through your losing. Reforged in a shining body, worthy now to take his heart and call him as your unswerving ally, it is not enough. Out of your yearning, you danced into worlds of enchantment. You drank from the breasts of the goddess, where kisses flower into hyacinths. Caresses stream into rivers of milk. Every nerve ending is a partner in love, and hearts are never broken. You discovered that dreaming is magic, but it's not enough. As a confident traveler, 
you learned to shrug off your body shirt and ride the world tree as your private elevator. To soar through the face of the moon, dance with the bear among the stars, to enter the sun behind the sun and fly on wings of paradise over a fresh world. You're out there, but it's not enough. Out of your calling, you braved the gates of the underworld and crossed the borderless river on your heartbeat and tricked the dark angel in his own realm when you stood defeated before the impregnable walls of death itself. You raised a song from your heart and belly that called help from the highest heaven to pluck a soul from the cold recreation yard where nobody plays new games. But you must make the return journey. The way back is full of diversions. Some will detain you with pink kisses. Some will drag on you as drowning men. You'll find the markers have been moved or stolen. Maybe you'll have gone so deep or so high you can't remember which world you left your body in. Or you'll rebel against returning to a world where hearts are broken and the earth defiled. You will return. This is your soul's agreement. Now you have danced with the bear, you will bring healing to the world of pain. Now you have traveled the roads of soul. You will help the soul lost to bring their children home. Now you have flown as Apollo on a shining arrow. You will bring light into the shadow world. Now you know the gates and paths of the real world. You will make bridges for others. You will bring it all home. Returning, you will remember your mission to serve the soul's remembering, to go among people as dream ambassador, opening ways for soul to be heard and honored. Let the world be your playground, not your prison. Star child, plunge with delight into the warm, loamy earth. Renew the marriage of earth and sky. Follow your heart light. Dance your dreams. Commit poetry every day, in every way. Now you are home. Are you all hip to the astronomical mirrors made of water, created in rocks, and located in strategic spots in South America to study the movement of stars? I was not, and they are so cool. Watery star mirrors generated images of the heavens on the water's surface. It's supposed their study informed the construction of temples and identification of sacred locations in the Andes. But Graham Hancock goes further to posit they may have also been used for scrying. We all know staring into a billowing lens of liquid speckled with cosmic glitter is a surefire way to get trancy with it. Graham writes he's come to the view that for the shaman, 
star mirrors were, quote, a kind of astro-shamanic technology that enabled human consciousness to journey beyond its physical bounds under certain special conditions, end quote. I don't see why not. I soaked naked in the hot tubs at Esalen, and even that seemed to catapult my parts to the Oort belt. That's true. With whom did I frolic in these frothing cisterns, patrons, plussers, and one minus listener who fell from the cliffs like a sack of sand? Some jumpers are pushed. What was it like for patrons and blussers in the blissful blur of Big Sur? Synchronized swimming meets spearfishing? No, that's not a snorkel. But don't stop diving. We saw the Loch Ness Monster emerge from a USO. Yeah, and then a berserk blue whale breached the turgid foam. But enough about yo mama. After that lot, we got on a yacht. And David Crosby made us all listen to Joni Mitchell for the umpteenth. Till I set her hammered dulcimer ablaze like the lesser Gnostic god intended. And patrons and plussers slow clapped me into a fugue state under a blood red supermoon. Happy Nude Year, ne'er do wells. Click the link in the show notes. See what happens. Well, the